0: That's the presents food, food for thought, for thought with for thought. Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicki Enston. Radio, radio be better, be better. Let's pray, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, and that you administer to my heart. I pray that um, I would understand your word, so that I can do your word. And see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're talking about being fruitful, and if you want to be fruitful, it means you're successful. Fruitful means successful. If you're wanting to know the definition that God has for success, a successful human being is a fruitful human being. They are fruitful, they multiply, they fill the earth, they subdue the earth, and they take dominion. In other words, they learn how to rule. They learn how to be in charge. They learn how to be what God created them to be, which is a ruler, a king or a queen. Tell the person next to you, you are meant to be a king or a queen. We spoke last week about about sin. And the reason why sin is a problem is because of what we're talking about today. The key to success is trust. The key to success is trust. You cannot be fruitful without trust. You cannot be successful in a business without trust. You cannot be successful in any endeavor in life without trust because you can never do everything alone. Everything that you do always needs other people to do it with you. And if there's no trust, people won't do it with you. And when you're on your own, you're weaker. We're better together. Now, last week we spoke about sin. And sin says right and we looked at the, 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 the Greek definition of Amathea, it's to be without sharing. When, when, when we sin, we lose the share of the crown that the Lord has set for us. The Lord has set a crown before us. And He wants this crown to be on our heads. He wants us to be in dominion. He wants us to be in charge. He wants us to overcome he wants us to conquer, but we lose our share in the conquest with sin. Now, Jesus went through an extreme amount, and Vix was praying earlier about our faithful God is, and I want you to understand that faithfulness is the foundation of trust, and God was faithful so that we could be faithful. You see, when I come to the cross and there's an the exchange that takes place, my unfaithfulness gets swapped for His faithfulness. And so I've got to understand that the life of Jesus in Psalm 22, verse 14 and 15 was poured out like water, and that all of Jesus' bones were out of joint, that his heart was like wax. It melted within him. His strength was, was dried up like sun-baked clay, and his tongue was sticking to the roof of his mouth. That's how thirsty he was. And then it said that he was laid in the dust, and they left him for dead. The religious leaders, the judges, they went, Ha, he's dead. It's over. Phew. We thought he was gonna be a trouble for a while, eh? We got those Romans to, to crucify him. And what I want you to realise is that Jesus went through all of this for us, and there's no greater expression of love than this. And last week we we're speaking about how do you how do you get back to joy? If you've blown it and you're sitting there with all of that regret and you've messed things up and you've lost things in your life and you can never get them back. Well, there's a couple of things you can do. You can sit there and slit your wrist for the rest of your life. Or you can sit there and you can blame other people for your problems. You know, people either sit there and they wallow and they say, oh, I'm so miserable. I'm so useless. I'm so wretched. Am I? I'm. I am wretched, I tell you. Or you can say it's everyone else's fault. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. You can even do a dance. You understand what I'm saying? Saying it's everyone else except you. Everyone else. But as you're pointing, you've got one finger on the one hand pointing out, you've got another finger on the other hand pointing out, but there's there's a whole lot of others, four of them to be exact, that are pointing right back at you. You see, the thing is, when you change, everything changes. And if you don't understand joy and you don't understand the peace that God wants to give you, Go and have a listen to last week's word. But I want to remind you that we got to Psalm 51, which is a prayer that cries out to Almighty God, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Now, why does God need to have mercy on us? Because in verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have our son, sinned and done evil and, and done this evil in your sight. Now, I want you to think about that. Lord, I've sinned against you. Against you, Lord, and you only have I sinned. I have sinned against you. Just think about the fact that if you don't come to this place, if you don't come to the place where you acknowledge before Almighty God that you have sinned, what can God do for you? Everything starts there. You see that the the, the biggest problem we have between us and God is pride. Everything starts there, and then you get to the place where you say, in verse ten, "Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." In other words, Lord, I can't do this without you. Oh Lord, I need to come before you. Oh Lord, I need to come before your cross. Oh Lord, I desperately need you in my life. And so, therefore, in verse eleven. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I may have messed up. I may have blown it. I may have regret upon regret. But you, Lord, are all powerful and almighty. And you can restore to me the joy supernaturally of your salvation in Jesus' name. And then I get excited because he upholds me with his generous spirit. God has a generous spirit. A generous spirit. When we are stingy, when we withhold things, we are not generous. And then... Only then, then in verse 13, I will teach transgressors your ways and and sinners shall be converted to you. Do you notice how critical the world is? I mean, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the church being hypocrites and the church being judges. And everyone says, oh, you're all holier than thou. The biggest judges are not in the church. I know we have criticisms. I know we have people that judge. I know that we have people that are nasty. Because they're saved and they need the blood of Jesus. I know we've got people that gossip in the church. But I'm telling you now, I've been in the world. It's a gazillion times worse in the world. And I don't care what any of you say. And if you're sitting there pointing my finger right at you, I hope it's coming out of the screen into your face right now. Don't come and tell me that. Don't come and tell me that. I've been in the world. I've seen how people backstab in the world. It's way worse than the church. Yes, we're disappointed when it happens in the church because we expect it not to. But guess what? The church ain't perfect because you're in it. You need the blood of Jesus just as much as the person on your left and on your right. The person may be in a block of flats right now and they're, they're on the floor above you or the floor below, be, beneath you. Wherever they are, they need the blood of Jesus and you need it just as much as them and it starts with you. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame the louse. You can't blame what the mouse. You can't blame any, anything. You can't blame your whole house. But if you want people to trust you, you've got to sort out your sin. You've got to get before God. You've got to get honest with God and not come here and tell God about all of the terrible stuff people have done to you, forgetting about the terrible stuff you've done. Because let me tell you, the stuff you've done to others is just as terrible as the stuff they've done to you. And some of you are saying, oh, how can you say that? You know what they did to me. No, I don't. But I don't know what you did either. But I know what my Bible says. What you did is just as bad. But I'm not like Hitler. Well, what if you had his power? You know that other person you got an issue with? What if you had the power of Hitler and you could just, you know, gas chamber, sort them out? You don't know what you do. And so, what I want you to understand is that the first thing is we have to deal with our sin and then... If you want to build trust, you've got to be faithful. In Numbers 12 verse 8, God speaking about Moses says, I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Now, you know what this statement comes from? This statement comes because the sister of Moses, a lady named Miriam, who the Muslims think, what, the, the Muslims think that she was the mother of Jesus. The sister of Moses. Literally, that's what what Muhammad taught. But Miriam comes and she starts speaking against Moses and starts saying things like, who says only Moses hears from God? I mean, God can speak through us. eh? Like, who who does this Moses think he is? And the problem that she had when she did this is that no one could speak against Moses because he was faithful. In fact... God said of Moses that he would speak to Moses as one would speak to someone face to face. And so God was not happy with him. And so listen to what happens in Numbers 12 verse 9 to 12. It says, the Lord was very angry with him and he departed. As the cloud moved above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, whose skin is white as snow from leprosy. God gave leprosy to Miriam because of what she had said about moses because she dishonored his anointed when aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to moses oh my master now suddenly it's a master like a few minutes ago it's like who the hell do you think you are and now it's oh my master it's funny how terms can change when suddenly we're in trouble and i want to tell you a faithful person is not just there coming oh pastor oh pastor you know when they're in trouble no no they're faithful all the time and if you're not faithful to a pastor, if you're not faithful to a spouse, if you're not faithful to whoever you're supposed to be faithful to, then please don't tell God that you're faithful to him because he's not going to accept what you're saying. And then it says, he cried out to Moses, O oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sin that we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decayed at birth. And listen to what Moses does. And this is now, you know, if you feel you've been betrayed, you feel that someone has stabbed you in the back. You feel that someone has messed you up. Well, Moses Moses becomes an incredible example to us, even though he never had the cross. Eh? Jesus hadn't died on the cross for him yet, and yet he still does this in verse 13. So Moses cried out to, to, to the Lord, Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. And that's part of the reason why he stood out. He never held it against her. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, Wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So keep her outside the camp for seven days and after that she may be accepted back. I want you to listen very carefully to what this tells us. Miriam had to stay outside of the camp for seven days because she spoke against the faithful one of God. Why? Because God has a covenant with a faithful one. You know, Moses, if you read that Bible story from Numbers 12, he may not even have known that Miriam was speaking against him and yet God protected him. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter who's speaking against you. If you're the faithful one, God has a covenant with you, and He will protect you. In Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, it says, Understand therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God, who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations, and lavishes His unfailing love on those who love Him and obey His commands. God is faithful. Understand what it's saying there. He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant. And therefore, you can't connect to a faithful God with an unfaithful life. And God will raise up a faithful people. I want to tell you that, you know, we, 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 we complain about all sorts of problems that we've got here in South Africa. Corruption and disruption and all of these things that are going on. But you know, at the end of the day, all that God seeking for yeah is a faithful people that will rise up and turn this whole nation around. I'm telling you this nation is not lost. I'm not even this much worried about the future of this nation. All God is looking for is a faithful people that will rise up and that will change this thing that he will use. His power will flow through them. Supernatural things will happen and he will turn this nation around. People say, "Ah, everything sold out to China. Everything. It's all gone to China. Yeah, but the gold's still in the ground. eh? And this is in China. A faithful people will rise up, and it doesn't matter. You'll be saying, how's it, my China? But that's all that will go to China. You understand what I'm saying? That the faithful person is a person that God wants to raise up. The faithful person changes the atmosphere around them. God uses the faithful person to bless the land around them. And God builds His house around the faithful ones. I want you to listen to the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. The seventh part of the fruit is faithfulness. In other words, if if you're Spirit-filled, you're faithful. Because it's the fruit. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote. And by the way, he wrote this in a book called Galatians, which is a letter to the the church in Galatia, which was all about grace. And in a book about grace, he says, the fruit of the Spirit, bam, 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 faithfulness. And Psalm 12 verse 1 says, Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. You know, we could could have written the psalm today. We, we're living in a generation of people where people are not faithful. People are, are, are not faithful to, to their principles in school. People are not faithful to the principles of the word of God, to the values and things that come out of the Bible. People are not faithful to their pastors. People are not faithful to their leaders. People are not faithful to their disciples. People are not faithful to the vision of God. People are not faithful to their husbands and their wives. People are not faithful to their children. Uh, in, in, when I was growing up, you used to have a saying that with some people that say, With well, that man, his word is his bond. In other words, if he says it, believe it. and hey, now you sound a contact with anyone. You trust no one because people aren't faithful. Psalm 106, 101, verse 6 says, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. So God's got a very high standard here. He says, I will walk with the faithful people. It's the faithful people I will stand with. And then we see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. And in some translations that word trustworthy is translated faithful. And, and yeah, what Paul's saying is, don't give to the unfaithful because... They don't keep anything that is good. Unfaithful people, you you give them something good, but they will lose it. They can't contain anything that God wants to give them because they won't receive what God has. You see, what God wants to give you doesn't always line up with what you think you want. And I want to start this week with the first few, but we're going to be looking at seven truths of faithfulness. We'll look at the first three today. We'll finish the others next week. The first, the first truth of faithfulness is that faithfulness is the seed of the future. If you want to have a future, have faithfulness. I want, I want you to think about unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness wants the fruit of now. That's why we're unfaithful. We want something now, so we're unfaithful. Unfaithfulness wants the pleasure of now. I want it now, and I want it right now. Listen, it's five seconds later. Why haven't I got it already? That's unfaithful. There's no thought of the future. There's no thought of what's going to happen un, uh, down the line. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's all about convenience. It's all about comfort. I want to give an example. Let's take a big area where people aren't faithful. In fact, we don't even talk about it in society because now we're on LGBT. We're not even talking about LG and B. You know, lesbian, gay, bisexual. We're now on transsexual. I heard a joke this week about transsexual. Okay? It's Chuck Norris. He said, I also was a woman trapped in a man, a man trapped in a woman's body. And then I was born. Anyway. But all we're talking about is that stuff. And you know, we don't even need to talk about that stuff. Because in the Bible, there's already a problem with sex before marriage. And let's be honest, we're not faithful there. For the pleasure of now, we lose the future. You know, if if you walk around and you say, no, we're virgins, we're not having sex, we're going to get married as virgins, they call you dumb. They call you stupid. They say, "Ah, man, you know that stupid church, they just want to stop all your fun. They call you dumb when you say no to sex before marriage when you're young. But you know, if you're faithful, and you have a faithful marriage, you'll ask them later, who's dumb now? When people get to their 40s and their 50s and life is upside down, inside out, um, life is over the hill and far away, their life's just one big bitter mess. Then the question is, well, who's dumb now? I want to tell you that the faithful one has the last laugh. The unfaithful one sells their future for the pleasure of now. They sell their future at the altar of today. And many people think that that being unhappy is a legitimate reason to be unfaithful. I mean, I can't tell you, you can ask my wife, how many times we sat down with people who are unfaithful in marriage. Even, even sometimes the people I've like experienced who are faithfully married, say, you know, if you're unhappy, just get a divorce the right way. And I'm thinking, it's like, look, if you want to kill someone, just stab them to death the right way. Do do it in a painless way. Don't make them suffer. It's like, what? What do you mean do it the right way? They promised to stay with a person for life and now they're getting divorced. Okay? Being unhappy is not a legitimate reason to divorce your husband or your wife. We're not even discussing because we're just on LGBTQ, RSTV, UVW, XYZ. Forget about that stuff. Can we just start with ourselves? Can we just start with that? Say no to your flesh and be faithful. And sometimes to be faithful it's going to require that you're unhappy. I want to say it again. Sometimes to be faithful is going to require that you're unhappy. Faithful means that I suffer for it. You know, modern society has sacrificed character on the altar of happy. And I want to just give you a piece of advice here today. Don't trade the promises of God for the word happy. The character of the faithful ones see now as having an impact on the future, they see the decisions I'm making today as having an impact on the future. Faithful means that I'll suffer pain or loss for a while for the reward of faithful. For the promises that God has over my life. The promises that God has for the faithful ones. The second principle for faithfulness is that faithfulness is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. In Luke 16 verse 10, this is what Jesus says. Who is faithful in least is also faithful in much. But he who is unjust in, in, in what is least is unjust also in much. Faithfulness is a pattern. If we're faithful, it means we're faithful in everything we do. You can't be a little unfaithful and a lot faithful. You're either faithful or you're unfaithful. Jesus said if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in much. You know, it's like the person says, I can't afford to tithe. But I'm just waiting. If I win that lotter, I'm telling you I'm giving 10% on the lotter. Imagine if you win 30 million rand on the lotter. 10% is 3 million rand. Yeah, You think if you're not faithful with the 30 bucks to give the 3 bucks out of the 30 rand that you earned? You think you're going to be faithful to give 3 million out of the 30 million? There's no ways. There's no ways. If, if you're faithful in the law, you'll be faithful in the much. If you're unfaithful in the law, you'll be unfaithful in the much. Faithful is formed when small acts come together and bring a strong cord in character, in your character of faithfulness. It's in the little decisions you're taking every single day. Little by little, you're building this faithful, strong cord of character. And, be, and being faithful doesn't come by accident. It's something that's, that, that's got to become a, a way of life. It's got to be something that you're doing every day. And let me tell you something. You can't be faithful without the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. All of us have been unfaithful. All of us, as we're sitting here right now, we know that when we start listening to this thing about faithfulness, we know that we have issues before God. The faithful one is 100% faithful. To be 1% unfaithful is to be 100% unfaithful. I want you to think about this example. What does it take to be a rapist? If you live for 70 years, what does it take to be a rapist? You just have to rape someone one time. And so... To construct a faithful life means you construct it and construct faithfulness before enjoying the blessing of God. Number three, faithfulness is the application of a rentable life. It's a rentable life. In other words, when you're faithful, you can rent your life out from the perspective people are going to come to you to consult with you. People are going to come to you for help. Being faithful is the the wisest investment you can ever make. When you become faithful, you become like God. When people make the investment of faithfulness, they save their faithfulness for years of suffering. Years of saying no to things. Years of saying no to anything other than the will of God in their lives. And when they, when they sow the suffering of faithfulness, because often faithfulness is suffering, and we don't, we don't like to say this, and, and, and it's suffering we choose, because it's the right thing to do. It's like your TV license. You know what I mean? Now, now they want to they wanna hit everyone because they're saying, right, um, most people don't pay their TV licenses, so let's just tax everyone. So no, pay your TV license because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, but they're stealing all the money in SABC, so what? They're not going to answer to God for being unfaithful with the money that you put into SABC. So that's suffering, to to pay your TV license and then see them steal the money. But when when you sow this, year in and year out, day in and day out, those people that do this reap a supernatural harvest down the road. And that's why even in Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul said, Do not be weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest. You see, the person that does this, everyone knows them. And everyone calls them faithful. The Bible says that the faithful one is abundant in all aspects of life. I want to say that to you again. The Bible says that the faithful one is abundant in all aspects of life. They're abundant. That means they're fruitful. That means they have more than enough. And you save happiness by small acts of faithfulness one by one, leading to a faithful life. Every single day you get up and you're spending time with the Lord, as we taught two weeks ago. Every single day you want to be faithful. You say, Lord, help me to be faithful. Lord, guide me by your Holy Spirit to be faithful. Lord, I'm applying the blood of faithfulness. Lord, the blood that you shed when you sweat blood. When you had a choice to make whether to go onto the cross or to save your flesh and to save yourself from that suffering. Lord, that suffering caused you so much anxiety that you sweat blood. Lord, I apply that blood so I can be faithful. So that my unfaithfulness can be swapped with your faithfulness. Every single day you build this. And the harvest we receive is supernatural. I want to tell you that more than being a good preacher, more than being a good singer, more than being a person of great wealth, let God see you being faithful in an unfaithful world. More than anything else that you can gain, let the Lord see that you are faithful in an unfaithful world because He will use you to change that world. Be the light in the darkness. We'll be continuing with this next week, but I just want to say these last things. You know, a faithful one is blessed. Even those that are faithful that end up dying for their faith. They're blessed. You ask them, they'll tell you they're blessed. And the the faithful one is blessed in all areas of life. And the number one area where they're blessed is in the spiritual realm. If you're blessed there, it doesn't matter what happens around you. Fear comes because we're not experiencing that blessing in the spiritual realm. Now, I want you to realize, when you start looking at faithfulness, and there's a lot of other verses in the Bible you can read on faithfulness, both in the New and the Old Testament. But maybe maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't need a saviour. When we think we don't need a sa- saviour, it's because we don't think about the fact that, you know, God demands faithfulness. It's a requirement. It's his number one requirement. We don't realize the fact that if we have pride, we cannot be faithful. We don't realize that if we, if we demand pleasure, we cannot be faithful. We need to realize that if our number one thing is our wealth, or our welfare, we cannot be faithful. If our number one goal in life is to make money, we cannot be faithful. Because what happens the day when, in order to get money, you need to do something that goes against the word of God? You'll do it. And why, why, why do we do these unfaithful things? We do these unfaithful things because that's who we are. That's what's baked into us. That's what's brought into us. And that's why we need to come to the foot of the cross of Jesus. We need to see the great exchange. Because if we open our hearts up to God, and if we're willing to make the sacrifices, and the sacrifice starts with, I'm going to pray, Lord. Every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read your word. And Lord, I'm going to fight to put my attention on that Bible. And I'm going to fight to put my attention on you when I'm praying. And I'm going to fight to have a relationship with you. I'm going to fight with every fiber in my being. With every muscle sinew that I have. I'm going to fight, fight, fight. To connect with you. I'm going to recognize that there'd be no more important thing in my life than to connect with you. I'm going to recognize that without the blood of your son Jesus, I would be a useless mess. I'm going to acknowledge what I am without you. But I'm also going to acknowledge what I am with you. I'm going to recognize that with you I'm a conqueror. I'm going to recognize that with you I am totally and utterly redeemed from the power of the enemy. That Satan has no power over me. Not even this much. I'm going to acknowledge that I am forgiven. No matter how bad my sin is. No matter how much I messed it up. I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Because I dare not. I repeat. I dare not minimize the value of the blood of Jesus. I dare not minimize the value of the love that God showed me when His Son died on the cross for me. I dare not. I'm going to recognize That I have a brand new identity in you. That that which I'm striving for, that which I'm trying to become, I throw it away. As the Apostle Paul did, I consider that rubbish. I take that identity and I throw it and I say, that stuff belongs at Pick It Up. That stuff belongs in the garbage can, on the rubbish dump. I now want the identity, Lord, that you gave for me. Identity of one who is fruitful. That is blessed in every way. I throw away that identity of unfaithfulness. I throw away that identity of my sin. I throw away that identity of you know, I, I I look at myself and if I have a lot of money I feel good. But the moment I lose it I feel bad. You know, one of the things you see with rich people, they got everything that they want but you know why sometimes they're unhappy? And I've sat with quite a few that have this problem because the next door neighbor seems to have more than them. They got millions in the bank. Other acts are starving, but they got millions. They got cars, but they got eight cars. And the Joneses next door got ten. Plus one of his is a Ferrari. And I can't afford that damn Ferrari. I want you to realize whatever identity you got, It's useless no matter what you get from this world unless you find your identity in Christ. And that only comes by faith. The great exchange at the cross happens by faith. Romans 10 verse 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That is, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So... You're recognizing I've been unfaithful. Well, you can be made righteous by faith. You see, that's the other thing about faith. I believe that I'm righteous, that God sees me as though I've never sinned because of my faith in Jesus. That is what that means. So I want you to think about yourself now. Do you believe that for yourself? Have you accepted Him? Have you accepted that He has set you apart for His purpose? But before He sets you apart for His purpose, He wants you connected with Him. Have you accepted that? Sometimes we hear that there's things in our lives we need to change and we fight it. It's a waste of time. Stop stop pushing against God. What you really want out of life is, is a connection with Him and to be blessed by Him. And you need to come to the altar of God right now. At the altar of God, everything is sanctified. Everything is justified. Everything is cleansed. The blood of Jesus will clean you. Everything is forgiven. And you are redeemed, which means the Lord has taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and placed you into the kingdom of Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus becomes your king. He's the best king there is. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about this. Jesus once said to people, are you weary and you're feeling burdened? Are you feeling heavy laden? He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. He says, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And I want you just to think about that right now. A friend of mine once wrote a song where it said, are you feeling blue? Is your heart filled with pain? Is life a hell for you? then why don't you focus on me, me being Jesus? Focus on Jesus. And this is the time to do it. If you respond right now to the call, you're saying, Lord, this is the time. I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life completely to you right now. I don't want to wait until later because I don't know if I'll make it. I don't know if I'll ever have this opportunity again. And I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to live close to you from this day on. That whenever death comes knocking my death won't affect me. Because I'll now be with you for eternity. I'm going to ask you right now if the Lord is calling you either to give your life to Jesus for the first time or to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe He's been speaking to you on something that He's been speaking to you about for a while and He's calling you to be faithful. And He wants you to recommit right now. If you On public transport or if you're at work, just put your right hand on your heart right now. But there's no point resisting God. What He speaks to us brings healing. If we will surrender to Him, you know, when He challenges us with stuff, He's challenging us to surrender all to Him. When we surrender all to Him, that's when everything that He has for us comes. And God is saying to us today, I have so much more for you than this. Surrender to me right now. But as you got your right hand on your heart, I want you to visualize Jesus. I want you to realize He was perfectly faithful. There wasn't an unfaithful cell in His body. And this faithful Jesus was faithful even to to the point of dying a death for us on the cross. He was faithful because right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that the, the cup that he was about to drink from was an incredibly distressing, painful, and devastating cup. Because he knew that that cup contained all of our sin. And that, that cup of suffering was so great and so immense that it caused so much anxiety inside of Jesus. In then, In the Gospel of Luke it says that he began to sweat blood. And because of this, he he asked the Father. He said, Father, if it be possible, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But then he said, but not my will be done, but your will be done. And Jesus was perfectly faithful. So that he can give us his faithfulness as he absorbs our our unfaithfulness with his blood. And I want you to see the same Jesus dying on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago. and Jesus hasn't changed. The word of God declares that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus, the same blood of Jesus that that had the power 2,000 years ago to wash you clean. To cleanse you and redeem you. To take you into the kingdom of heaven. That same blood is working just as powerfully now. If you will put your faith in him, he will transform your life right now. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord, I'm open to you. Come on, I want all of you to pray. Say, Lord, I'm open to you. I pray that you touch me right now. Say, and I, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me to, to, to support those that have raised their hands. Say, Lord Jesus, Today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. And I know that it was the price that you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me clean of all my rebellion. And of all my sin. I ask that you'd set me free from any sickness. And any pain. And I accept that my debt has been paid. That there is no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept that by your blood. I am justified. And you see me as I've never sinned. And by your blood I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. And I want to serve you, Lord. And so I open the door of my heart and invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go Vamos